In Syria, widespread protests were reported today. Opposition activists there say government troops opened fire on protesters, killing several in cities around the country. United Nations officials are pressuring the Syrian government to respect the U.N.-backed ceasefire it agreed to earlier, but the violations continue. The BBC's Ian Panel sent this report after visiting the town of Taftanaz in Syria's Idlib province. On April the 1st, Syria agreed to Kofi Annan's peace plan. The world was told that the government had given assurances it had moved no further into populated areas. But in a pattern of broken promises, it then unleashed a whirlwind of destruction and death just two days later, when the soldiers rolled into the town of Taftanaz. I woke up in the morning on the 3rd of April and heard the sound of explosions and shooting. I called my friends and they told me that they were shelling and shooting in the town, and so I started filming. The tanks entered the town at 7.30 in the morning. Then in the afternoon, the armored vehicles drove in and the soldiers entered. I've just walked into the main mosque in Taftanaz and it's a scene of incredible devastation. You can see a shell, a tank round possibly has gone through one of the main side walls and you can see shrapnel marks embedded deep into the walls. This is also where 57 people killed inside Taftanaz were brought to be identified and eventually laid to rest. Can he, can he just show us on, on his head where he was hit? We met the man they call the living martyr in Taftanaz. Abu Azaz says he was rounded up, his hands were bound, he was made to face a wall and then he was shot three times in the head and left for dead. His scars are clearly visible and his jaw droops from where it was smashed. Miraculously, the bullets went through his cheek and although a very sick man, he is alive. There were four of us, including two old men. They said my crime was that I didn't tell them there was a makeshift hospital next to my house. Then they shot all of us. Men like Abu Azaz take the risk to speak out because they hope it'll make a difference, that at some point the world will take notice. Amin is a fighter with the Free Syrian Army. He took me round what remains of his home after it was set alight by the troops. We have finished the, 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 the cleaning of my house inside and you can see the outside what happened here. Just to describe the scene, every single wall and ceiling in this uh, apartment are blackened from the smoke. Uh, there is nothing left. The heat was obviously so intense that the floor has broken um, and there's just a skeletal metal bed frame left uh, from his bed. We are homeless. We are the United Nations. What, what did Anan give, give us? Nothing, just killing. Fifty-seven people are thought to have died here in just two days. Fighters and civilians, men and women, young and old. They're buried in two mass graves in the town cemeteries. We met one young man who was paying his respects to his brother one of two siblings to be killed in the last year. Why did they attack Taftanaz? Because we want freedom. I wonder myself, because we want freedom. 
Is this the end of the revolution? No, no. We still do demonstrate until the last one of us. The whole world know that, but no one support us except Allah. This was an attempt to crush the opposition that not only failed to dim the call for change, it's made the prospects for peace even more remote. Positions have hardened, and in truth, there's no common ground with the government. And although the violence has abated, attacks on places like Taftanaz are continuing, one week after the ceasefire was supposed to take effect. The BBC's Ian Panel reporting on the situation in Syria's Idlib province.